0: I don't know why it's on my avatar. (laughs) How do I shut off my avatar?
1: Should be down the video control.
0: Um. I'm trying to get find my actual Zoom uh, app, and I have too many windows open. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing?
1: I'm pretty good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, there was a, a, well, we'll talk about it in the thing, but, uh, I missed a big meeting yesterday. <laughs> so I'm trying to catch up with, at the Hill, the Hill interviewed a bunch of people.
1: Oh yeah, that was, uh, pretty awesome.
0: Uh, did you got, catch it? I haven't caught it.
1: Not, not live. It's on YouTube though. You can just watch it.
0: Oh, okay. Awesome.
1: Yeah. And I, uh, but I, there were like some, if you go on Twitter, there were there were some people live tweeting some of the most interesting comments from it. So I got a sense during it from the Twitter feed even though I wasn't home at that point.
2: Uh,
1: anyways, we can talk about that during the show. Um let's see, should I like uh just go ahead and unmute the Twitter we We're officially uh Yeah, that's
0: great. That's fine. It's set to none.
1: What's that? The nun.
0: Uh, right. My 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 video oh. filters.
1: Um, there, we
0: there we go. There we go. No, It wasn't video filters. Actually, I have avatars. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's better than my face today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh. There we go. I got uh, stung by a wasp. Um. It's on this side.
2: Yikes. How bad yeah.
0: is it? Well, I actually, I got horribly stung by wasps, like, 10 days ago. Um, I kicked a log in the cat kennel that had, like, a giant nest underneath it. Um, and terrible. Like, all over my legs. Really, really bad. Um, Covered from that. And then yesterday I got bit or stung by a wasp uh, while I was trying to clean some stuff in the backyard. So, it's not my year. (laughs) (laughs) Not my year at all. Um, Anyway, why is that? Okay. So, that's set up, but now I can't see.
2: Ooh, captions are
1: running. That's cool.
0: Ah, there we are. It had minimized you to a tiny little picture. There we go. (laughs) While I was doing that. Okay, uh, I don't hear any music.
1: Oh, it stopped the music because I unmuted the Twitter space. Okay. And so, are you in the Twitter space? Is that who's in there? I'm yeah.
0: in the Twitter space, yep.
1: Yeah, so, uh, the music stopped in the Twitter space because I unmuted. And now. I see. And, uh, let's see. I just was setting up a new virtual background for my, uh.
0: With your poor uh, Townsend vortex. Um. Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to uh start our our spiel?
1: Yeah, let me cue up uh music. Um gotta gotta have music. And although we don't really do uh Alright, I'm gonna play, should I play some, uh, Wally John and then you, uh, oh, I guess we don't do, we don't do Wally John, we do that other song, which is just at the beginning of, uh, I guess I'll be consistent. Let me see. I do this every time. It's time. Um, I'm just gonna play Wally John at the beginning of this one. Is that okay?
0: Alright, it's fine.
1: I mean, I'll, I'll change it for the, uh, you know. Okay. For the actual, uh, video. Uh,
2: share that, and, uh.
0: Welcome to Beyond Humanity, brought to you by Hive1.net. With us today is Matt Reddy, host of the Mindful Activist webcast, published author of Revolutionary Mindfulness, and a hospital commissioner in Jefferson County, Washington. He's an amateur ufologist, creator of hive and a philosopher. I'm Margaret Howe, product manager of New Perspective, LLC. In the Beyond Humanity podcast, we explore the possibilities and implications of artificial intelligence and alien life for human evolution, identity, and destiny. We want to invite anyone on Earth, human, alien, reptilian, AI, interdimensional beings, and MET fans. We are sponsored by the Sisterhood of the Fork Tongue Worm. Hey, Matt, do you have a super genius of the week?
1: I do. Um, And his name is Daniel Sheehan.
0: Daniel Sheehan. I'm not familiar with that name. Who is that?
1: Daniel Sheehan is uh Lou Elizondo's lawyer.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> and uh I have a clip. I've been researching Daniel Sheehan, and I have a uh let me see, I thought I had it queued up here. Um... I thought I had it all queued up. Maybe I ah, oh, there it is. Okay. Um so let's see uh short short thing about daniel sheehan is he is the guy that went on before the hearing did a brief interview on news nation and where he was talking about basically this shadow government that's been uh hiding this and the Mm -hmm. interviewer pressed him saying what are you talking about can you tell us who these people are and he said majestic 12. he mentioned Mm -hmm. the word majestic 12. And so I was like, who is this guy? Who is this lawyer that claims he can just throw out Majestic 12 and make us all research this as if it's true? And, I mean, the lawyer for Lou Elizondo, that's a big deal. So Mm -hmm. I got a clip here that will just – that tells me a lot about who this guy is. And I'll just – it's like a – I'm going to play it at high speed because we don't need to listen to people (laughs) talk slowly. Okay. and uh so I'll just play this and this is he's talking about the Romero Romero Institute, Institute which he helped uh he helped found. Um and so he talks about that and you get you learn a lot about him from this little uh clip of uh his story. Let me share that.
2: We work on the Romero Institute, as I indicated, is the progeny of the Christie. I remember
0: this guy.
1: I'm having problems when I, my bandwidth
2: here is getting upset. Institute that was founded in Washington, D.C. in 1980 in a joint effort by the United States Jesuit uh, headquarters.
0: I can hear it just fine.
1: Okay, yeah, I was just, I'm just changing the speed, but yeah, for some reason it's like,
2: in Washington DC, international life, organization for women, not a likely marriage. Uh, but one that is-
1: All right, I'll just pause it there for a the sec. Uh, he said this, um, I'm just going to repeat that because it's interesting where this institute, uh, started.
2: If I can get it to play. as I indicated, is the progeny of the Christic Institute that was founded in Washington, D.C. in 1980 in a joint effort by the United States Jesuit uh, headquarters in Washington, D.C. and the National Organization for Women. Not a likely marriage, uh, but one that is, has gone on for uh, now over 45, 42 years. Uh, so what we want to do is give you an idea of what the major premises are that we pursue. That justice is a rather abstract term that many of you may interpret in whatever ways you might. But what we are talking about is the major ethical principles that are grounded in classic faith traditions throughout the world uh and these most obviously uh entail in western civilization uh the the jewish and christian traditions specifically catholic and protestant for the most part uh but others unitarian church and others that these uh, offices have social ministry divisions that actually attempt to implement the ethical principles that they perceive to be derived from their spiritual insights uh this is the this is the intuitionist school that has been recognized by uh, John Rawls, for example the head of the Department of Philosophy at Harvard University in his very well-known uh, theory of justice uh, masterpiece. Uh, we are we are working from the initial premises of the Society of Jesus, uh, which is the Jesuit Order inside the largest single uh, Christian denomination in all of Western Civilization. Uh, but this is a, a more precise uh, set of ethical principles uh, than the more general principles that may abide in other traditions. Uh, there is a 32nd general congregation of the Jesuit Provincials that was convened Uh, back in 1975 that is a very important set of documents that came out talking about the obligation on the part of people motivated by spiritual values to take action every single day to disassemble the structural sources of injustice on the planet and uh, we understand that that entails commensurate responsibility to try to build alternative structures and programs uh, to effectuate justice. So this is what we are engaged in. We have uh, done numerous cases down through the years. Uh, we are known for having done the Karen Silkwood case, uh, that basically stopped the construction of all private new nuclear power plants uh, in the United States, uh, since 1979. We also did the Iran-Contra case that stopped the shipping, secret shipping of weapons and explosives uh, to the Contras in Central America and the smuggling of massive amounts of cocaine by that enterprise here in the United States. Uh, we did the first of a number of uh, different uh, lawsuits and criminal defenses arising from the American Sanctuary Movement down in Texas. Uh, we've done the, uh, the defense of Chase Iron Eyes, who was designated as the ringleader uh, of the uprising of the indigenous people against the Dakota Access Pipeline. All right. So wow. that's
0: like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, everything from the Contras to the, uh, the pipeline. I mean, that's.
1: That's a resume. I,
0: I had no idea. I had no idea.
1: <sighs> yeah, me neither. I mean, I all I knew was this some lawyer guy was like dropped mj12 and then i look and i'm like oh this guy is a warrior this guy is a lawyer legal warrior and he actually has principles he actually and it was like it was actually so refreshing just to hear instead of like there's so much smoke that it looks like the you know the catholic church and the and uh is somehow deeply involved in deceiving humanity and so it was just so nice to be reminded oh yeah there are christians and people of faith that believe in ethics and mm-hmm. might even structure their entire lives around attempting to be ethical without regard to whatever the pope and the bishops and the power structure of any religious you know, organization is telling them what to do. They're trying to just like mm-hmm. understand the concept of ethics, of doing good, trying to make the world a better place, and trying to fight the good fight. So this guy has been doing it a long time. He's a, it's an amazing person to have as your lawyer. He's, and then you can, if you go, he's a Harvard University. He's a, he's often teaching at Harvard University. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. where he is right now, but he has lectures, le- lo- loads of lectures online. This Sheehan guy, and they talk about the history between World War One and World War Two. And he gets deep into the corporations and the money. He traces it all. He goes. Through JFK's assassination, he he doesn't like really in his lectures. He doesn't um doesn't say it was because of aliens, but he clearly paints a picture that it seems he he seems to have all the details of how it was connected to the CIA, and he knows the name of the the assassination group it was in the CIA that um was responsible, and and you know it's the guy seems incredibly well, uh, informed and knowledgeable. Um, and so if he's the one behind working with Lou Elizondo and who Lou Elizondo has been sharing all of his research about everything he's found, I, I just, I cannot wait to hear what they, you know, what they think is the story of what has happened between 1933 and now and JFK. I, they must with David Grush, I think they just have a, a beautiful narrative to share with the world, with loads of evidence. So, um, anyways, I I think he's uh he's our genius of the week because uh he I think he's like one of the powerful minds that is really leading the charge here. And it and I and I trust he, he clearly is driven by actual like you know morals. It seems he's really is uh, one of those fighters for uh, the good fight.
0: Well, it's just amazing that he has that connection to the Jesuits, I mean, and then we end up with the Jesuit Pope, you know, like, uh, wish he could could leverage that connection a little.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't even know that. Is the Pope Jesuit?
0: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, very controversial uh, choice.
1: <laughs> has a Jesuit has ever been Pope before?
0: No, no, no.
1: Has it always? I don't even know. Is a Jesuits, are they Catholic or what?
0: They are Catholic, yes, but they are very um uh justice oriented, right?
1: Okay. Uh,
0: so I mean it makes sense that they were attached in all of those different um world problems, right? Um, but they yeah. They they are definitely a distinct society of Catholics. Um, the Society of Jesus. So, mm. yeah, Inter- interesting, interesting, very, very interesting connection, very charitable, um, oriented group. Um, yeah, oh, and, nice and, think that and amazing that he took on, you know, like, he must be doing that out of his own pocket. I mean, there's no way you can be, Defending that person or spending all of that time, you know, because he's he's um, been on all the different talk shows and whatnot, right? Mm. Um, yeah, very very interesting. I kind of, you know, I wonder how these attorneys function. Um, you know, how how they can afford to do this, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, there must be some money on the side of good on the side yeah. of it disclosure. I mean, I guess you can't say good. It seems uh, the disclosure movement that, you know, Chris Mellon, Lou Elizondo, and even uh, Graves, Grush, mm-hmm. um, favorite they, they seem to have a, uh, a sort of a unified agenda of how they want disclosure to roll out the, mm-hmm. the general narrative. I mean, I have to assume all these guys and gals know a lot more than they're saying, like they they must all know if JFK was assassinated because of it, and they just are all in some sort of agreement of when this is going to break and how they're going to talk about it when it breaks.
0: Yeah, you just wonder, like, yeah, I I just I don't understand why there's been so much secrecy around that, right? Doesn't make any the sense. The dark.
1: Well, I mean, hmm. I mean that's the whole topic. Why? What is the reason for the secrecy? Why has it been hidden and why is it still hidden? Like, yeah, I think, I mean, I have my theories about that. I'm sure I've alluded to them before. Oops, do you oops. have a, do you have a theory of why the secrecy?
0: Well, I think it's, it, it's because, because of the majestic 12, honestly. I think that there's, there's people that are definitely, uh, definitely movers and shakers in a, in a secret government type of organization. Um,
2: definitely
1: just money, like just money and power.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that, I mean, is there something more to it than just being like royalty on earth or wherever they I, are?
0: I was just thinking they're acting like the nobility, uh, you know, and the perspective of the nobility uh, kind of like why they're even um, in our government systems, why there's a Senate is, is the whole concept or house of Lords that the commoners can't think for themselves. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that elitism type of perspective that's, Come down through the ages in the nobility and now the mega rich, right? Uh, yeah. That they believe that they know better, right? And the, the House Com-
1: of Lords—that's the England. England has mm-hmm. the House of Lords, right? And that's—and yes. you're saying the Senate was modeled after the House of Lords as being
0: basically, the yeah,
1: the royal advisory body. As opposed to the House of Representatives. Is there a House of Commoners in England? Like Yeah,
0: that's the House of Representatives equivalent, right?
1: Is it what is it? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think it's the House of
0: Commons. Yeah.
1: House of Commons, not commoners.
0: (laughs) But same thing, basically, right? It's the it's the Serfs (laughs) that are have been freed, right? They um and in in most places, um, the Senate is now like voted in, right? Um each state is voting the Senate. But I don't know if it was always that way. Was it always that way?
1: Well first of all, I'm pretty sure it's all states voted. There's no, when yeah. you say most uh but that would be but you may be well I mean yes, I think it's uh I don't know what the history is. But, I mean, in theory, they, the Senate is still, you elect them two mm-hmm. per state. It's just sort of, like, unfair. I guess that kind of makes each state like a kingdom because it gives each state a certain amount of power regardless of their size.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you look at it like royal lands of England, each state is like, you know, they just get to elect their uh, their Senate lord maybe if the elections are... Actually valid, and I, I mean, I think in general, I'm hope you know.
0: Well, and even the electors for each state that get to choose president, they used to be appointed.
1: Yeah, and, well, they are, still, and now they
0: have. There's yeah. laws in some states that says that they have to follow the popular vote, but they not all the states. they yeah, don't the always have to college.
1: Follow.
0: Mm-hmm. That that's a weird one to me, right? And to me, again, that's like, we don't trust the vote of the common people, right? We need a way to, to, to fix that if the commoners are voting in error, <laughs> right? But I mean,
1: so, so I mean, but what is, uh, so whatever these royals I mean, there might be an alien royal family. There might be some group of humans that's like considers themselves this ancient royal most important families of earth. And are they just like all colluding to keep this secret because it gives them power and money and that? I mean, is it on earth or is it like, is it, I, mean, I guess, is there a bigger picture that's way more important, like uh, between planets and galaxies and solar systems that we are literally just one small colonized watery rock
0: yeah it makes you wonder it it is interesting when you think that most of um most of the people in power are of specific families they're you know and like the whole like historically they've always referred to things as noble blood or royal blood right um and it may it makes you wonder like in ancient aliens type of history where uh, there were overseers of aliens that came to enslave Earth, you know, like the Sumerian and and Egyptian myths, Um, if they picked certain families to rule for specific reasons, right, if they manipulated DNA to make those people more malleable or, you know, what why, why royal blood and noble blood matters? why you know most of the presidents have been somehow closely not closely but closer related to each other than than we are to them mm-hmm. um, yeah, but lots of interesting things when you start looking at the the rich and powerful and Versus nobility. Most of the rich and powerful are related to nobility, right?
1: Yeah. It, it seems the – I mean, the, the most of history, it's been royal families is how mm-hmm. it's been ruled. You have royal families, and one royal family conquers another royal family. And, and maybe – I mean, I think the simplest Occam's razor thing, if aliens are a part of this picture, then it would – seem to make sense that there's at least two major alien factions and they basically have been you know whenever there's been a major like overthrow of one empire on earth by another i it seems to make the most sense that it was probably just one alien faction backed group back overcoming another one cuz i think if there was if there was really there was only one alien faction on earth i don't think the roman empire would have ever fallen they would have just held all of Earth would be under one government. If there was one alien faction, That I mean, it, it wouldn't have been that hard to take, you know, to conquer all of Earth with one group of humans that the aliens was helping. But, but what would mess that up would be if there was more than one alien group, like, competing. Then we could have this, like, battleground. Like the Assyrian Empire. I was researching, you know, the oldest empires on Earth mm-hmm. because – You know, well, because we talk about World War II, you always have to be talking about like it it brings my attention to the history of the Jews and why were they a people Mm -hmm. in exile in Germany and why did they leave Germany afterwards? Like, you know, and and why? So I've been I was researching why are they a people in exile? Why they say that? And it goes back to the Assyrian Empire in Israel. And when the, uh, Assyrian Empire, I believe, if I got that right, they conquered Israel, they relocated them. They just basically, it was like, it was how, ha- what they did to the lands is they relocated populations as mm-hmm. a way of controlling them and homogenizing the, the land in the way they wanted and settling it with, I mean, it was easier to like, I think it was like, easier to force the people to move. You sort of tear up their roots and make them adapt to your situation. It was, it was a way of population cultural control and that, you know, and it was, it was sort of interesting to go back. Okay. So the Assyrians, they were doing that because it was how they managed lands. They would conquer Mm -hmm. a land, then they would move the population and then homogenize it and then they would grow and they would just keep doing this and they should have just conquered earth. Why didn't they conquer earth? And it was, if you look at the history, it like fell incredibly rapidly in a very short period of time and was replaced by another empire that became the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. And it was like, why would the aliens let that happen? Why would you let your empire, you built this vast empire, why would you let it fall? And I think, I I guess, I mean, either it was another alien faction. I mean, actually, I guess what makes more sense to me now that I'm talking it through is that it's sort of like an empire is like a bureaucracy and eventually it becomes so rotted and corrupt that you just want to sort of clean sweep and replace it with a new bureaucracy that you control. And so <laughs> it's almost like the minute the aliens are like, all right, we're done with you Assyrian people. We're going to go over here and make friends with this empire right next door. And then we're going to help them crush you and just, and we'll <laughs> have a clean, it's like just changing, you know, the leadership. And so they just sort of change teams. And I think they've done that, you know, in every war and battle, major thing in history. They just shift teams. You know, the Nazis lose World War II, and then they go and make some secret deals behind the scenes with the U.S. in private, and now they're back in, you know. But now they're dealing with a democracy, which is a much different thing to try to manage than Mm -hmm. an autocratic royal family, although they they basically just turn wealth and privilege into a type of royalty that they can manipulate enough factors to give us a a quasi-loyal a quasi royal class.
0: Yeah, I'm really, um, I really don't know what to think about that because I, I feel like aliens' main purpose for Earth would be resources, right? So I'm not sure if individual governments really matter as long as they are towing the line. Um, right.
1: To yeah, well, that would be to the get only... the
0: resources that the aliens need. Right. Um, That
1: that would be the purpose of why they helped us form governments is mm because we'd be more efficient at getting resources out of the ground or producing labor if they wanted human labor. But, you know, once in a while, they would just want to change administrations for, you know, just if it was one administration was just so filled with a bunch of royal, privileged, snobby, brutal, like Nazi like, you know, people are just like, get rid of them, try to put some more ethical easier to work with group. And I mean, they would have no loyalty to mm-hmm. one faction that they helped. They would just want the civilization to continue in an efficient way to serve their needs. And maybe they also believe they're helping us form civilization and maybe they believe they're doing something good with their manipulations behind the scenes. Um,
0: I, I don't know. I kind of feel like, uh, we might be just lab rats. They might not really be that attached, right? I don't not know. Not care.
1: Well, do they not yeah. care if we live or die?
0: Yeah, I don't. Well, obviously not.
1: <laughs>
0: well, why do you they, say obviously not? Well, because they don't seem to interfere when we could really use the help, right? When there's a the horrible tsunami, right? The tsunami. Of, when was that? Twenty fourteen or something, right? Um, like. There is definitely no interference to help out when there is horrible natural disasters, right? Terrible wars. Um, points where as humans, we could really use some some help, <laughs> right? Uh you know, right right now we here in Canada, we have like uh 50 50,000 people are fleeing the Northwest Territories. Uh, down here and literally driving, it's like a 12 hour drive down here to Edmonton, um, to ride it out while they're, while yellow life, yellow knife and other little towns are going to get wiped out. Um, you know, and things like that, that it's just like, yeah, those people could use some modern technology to get here. <laughs> mm. Like, there's not even like the, the military is like, Air dropping in little stations of for refueling and water because there's no uh there's no places along the way for people to do that. Where is this? Um, so it from Yellowknife, down st- straight down the Northwest Territories through northern Alberta to Edmonton. Um,
1: what is happening there?
0: Uh Wildfire. Uh huge wildfire is just wiping out a whole area of the northwest territories and it's going to happen all over the tundra like tundra's going to burn that's just how things are going to go with um this yeah (laughs) with global warming um so you know things like that that yeah the humans could really use a hand right here uh but, you know, when you look at the, this has happened before, when you look at the Northern Sahara Desert, like obviously there, it used to be lush and now it's a desert. How did it get that way? Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I, I think in human history, uh, there have been problems with resources. Maybe they, you know, Maybe oh. humans burned all the trees, who knows, right?
1: Okay, so um, I just uh I just realized something. What's that? I didn't start recording in Zoom.
0: uh
1: did, did you start recording? In Zoom?
0: I did not. We forgot to start recording.
1: <laughs> so we 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 recorded that whole part, the beginning of the show in uh Twitter Spaces.
0: Oh, Otter has it.
1: And Otter has um but I'm going to start the Zoom recording so that cuz that way it gives me the video that I usually use, you know, we we okay yeah. Yeah, we are so
0: professional. (laughs) We are. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: recording in progress.
0: You should be able to pull recording from. uh, Yeah, I totally forgot. I'm gonna also record for backup. Yeah, we just Um,
2: launched
1: into it.
0: (laughs) I'm excited about about aliens. I'll tell (laughs) you. Still excited. We're like you know ten weeks in, and I'm still excited. but yeah, hopefully uh the auto recording is usually pretty good. You should be able to pull it off of there. Yeah.
2: Um
0: anyways, um but yeah, I, I don't know with uh it, I just feel that if aliens had our best in mind, you know, but you know, maybe they're evolutionists, maybe they are like survival of the fittest. <laughs> well, Let's Let's see what humans survive this,
1: right? I I, I think they have to look at Earth as like Australia, you know, mm -hmm. like back in the day. It's just like it's a, you know, well, I mean, just it's like a it's just like a native craziness. They just are like, we're not going to get involved. You guys are I think they're going to sit there with the moral high ground saying you guys need to work out how to create peace on Earth on your own before Mm -hmm. you're even civilized enough to talk to us super aliens that are flying around your earth comfortably and that might include us humans and other species that are native here like the reptilians and humans on earth if those are the two species that mainly live here we it's not their fault that the reptilians hide from us they're going to say not their fault that any aliens are I guess native.
0: You cut out. So I don't think that's my internet. Are you there?
1: Yeah, yeah, my uh you bet you froze it. Man, is this my is this you my both
0: froze? Uh, you're frozen again.
1: Huh. My my internet is not as good as it used to be. But, uh...
0: I've definitely never seen issues like this. That's that's weird today. Mm. Did you get, like, new neighbors that are sharing your connection? <laughs>
1: <laughs> or maybe I just have a million screens open and uh, something is sucking some bandwidth I'll just, like, close a bunch of uh, the windows I got here in the back. But as
0: you were saying, it is... Like, there is also that possibility that there could be some Star Trek, like, uh, prime directive, right, Um happening where they're not allowed to intervene, right, or interfere, right? Um, well, but
1: if, if that's the case, then if there are aliens interfering, is it their job to tell us or help us and uh to help stop those aliens with advanced technology or that they don't? have any responsibility for that at all?
0: Yeah, there might be some that are breaking the rules, right? Uh, A couple of uh, really interesting alien sighting things happened or came out this week. Um, One of them was on Google Maps in Bermuda. There's literally on Google Maps a picture of uh, an alien flying saucer. Like I think I heard that one, but it's, a, you,
1: it's a still, it could be like a blimp or something. I think I heard someone say, not trying to like.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a blimp shaped like a saucer. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's like following around the Google car since that thing's So uh, I don't know if you've seen the Google car, but it is so noticeable with its crazy cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so
1: I've never seen that in person.
0: Maybe it's this. Maybe it was a stunt by someone trying to get on there. That is true. Um, just like the the seven foot tall aliens attacking Peru got debunked. Did you hear that?
1: I mean, I uh, generally heard it, but is it officially debunked?
0: It is officially debunked as uh, basically warlording gold miners are trying to scare uh native people off their land. Um, so they're basically attacking a village, trying to scare the people away so that they can, um, gold mine in their area, right? How do you know and, if anyone and, is
1: telling the truth? How do you know and, if the bunk story is a real debunk story?
0: I know, right? But they did, there was some, like, uh, pictures released where they actually got, there was, like, lighting behind the alien, and you could see that they were using a jetpack. Hmm. They're literally using a jet pack to elevate themselves off the ground wild yeah and and so like uh all of the like crazy noise that you know the the um villagers reported like these creatures had come, and they were so noisy, right well, it's a jet pack, huh,
2: <laughs>
0: crazy, but you know, uh the villagers actually shot at these guys, right, so hopefully some of them uh their karma <laughs> like uh but you know the peruvian military uh was like protecting a nearby town right but they didn't come out and save the villagers the villagers uh, are mostly clearing out because mm.
1: yeah
0: uh, well, but sorry i was just going to say so interesting that in the world that even in the little in the village in this you know basically poverty stricken place people have cell phones and they're taking pictures and (laughs) recordings right Mm -hmm. Uh, it's so interesting what a different world we live in now where there's that but you know it could be fabricated story could be cover up I don't know right
1: well I heard on yesterday's thing the uh the news or the hill news nation uh mm -hmm. special there were definitely worth everyone watching those interviews, but one of the most, um, fascinating things was Ryan Graves, uh, the jet pilot who's been talking about, uh, you yeah, know, well, I know you know who jet Ryan Graves is. Yeah. I was, but, um, he was saying that, uh, one, he was like, you know, He's really looking for uh, to the future like he's like he's dealing with this as a very practical thing. these UFOs these things are objects in the air and they're creating flight risk I mean they're a national security risk and they're a safety risk and he is trying to help pilots um and but he's also saying that pilots commercial and uh military more and more are reaching out to him and his company. And so he is becoming a vector of all the most credible reports of what these things are doing. Mm-hmm. And he said that he's getting reports of weird interactions between flying saucers and each other, almost like the flying saucers over the Atlantic are dog fighting each other. Whoa. Wow. Current, current thing. And, and actually somebody else uh, gosh, I, I can't remember now. Somebody, it might have been, um, I, mean, I think it was one of Linda Moulton Howe's videos. It might not have been a super recent one, but she also mentioned a story, I believe, of, uh, them seeing, um, a fight. Uh, what, and it was like, I don't know if it was between, but anyways, that's a, let's just go with what Ryan Graves is saying. Mm-hmm. If UFOs are fighting each other, in the air over the Atlantic, what is going on? What could possibly be the explanation for that? Why, I mean, just assume it's, just like for a moment, let's consider it's just true. Two alien spaceships are fighting each other over the Atlantic Ocean today. Give me, like, what's a plausible explanation for why that would be happening between two alien spaceships? Like, Something that's like not ridiculous. Like
0: Yeah, it makes no sense. Um he's uh he posted on his Twitter today um some footage and I and I heard that he's gonna start doing that, that he's gonna just start releasing what people send to him. Yeah. Um uh, because, yeah. because like the government is not providing a proper mechanism for reporting it, right? Yeah um so yeah i mean if if he's willing to do that it would be really helpful, but it is so hard it is so hard for a pilot to take pictures while flying and get good footage right like it is it is technically challenging right oh yeah um but there
1: is there is more there are a couple other videos and stuff that have come out on u f o twitter X. Like Mm -hmm. there was a, uh, there's a lot of talk about that Malaysia flight M370 and there's a a apparent satellite. I guess I could just pull it. It's all over. I could play it on here since it's all over, uh, Twitter. The, this, this satellite, um, have you seen it? The satellite supposed video of this flight. I've
0: not seen the satellite footage, right? But I, I heard a lot of questions about it, right? About what, what happened to it, right? That's yeah. That, right. Yeah, very interesting that if there's satellite footage, like what does it show? Like where, it, <laughs> where does it go, right?
1: Okay, I found, I found one. It's not the full length one, but it's, uh. This is, uh, looping on Twitter. So this is an infrared shot of the, of a supposed plane of, of supposedly, have you seen this? And it has these three yeah. orbs encircling it. There's a much longer shot, not from this, from this angle. Actually, I think it's even, yeah, this is, I think from the, I guess it's not a satellite. It's some sort of, uh, surveillance plane. Anyway, we don't know if it's fake or not, but if this is, this is going around, I mean, this is what happens. These three orbs fly around the, the plane and then it curves around and then you see here, it disappears. Boom. Like,
0: well, and technology wise, supposedly the technology, um, that the aliens are using is some kind of space warping. So if it would make sense if they can, uh, yeah, that exactly. If, if they can warp it out of there, right? Like, that's the first time I've seen any footage like that. Los objetos escoltan literalmente a la aeronave en
1: el momento de su planeo. This is just a different incident in Chicago in the United States. These images help us to understand what these objects are doing in their maneuvers. They don't know if any of this stuff is
0: But why would they want to take a plane? That's such a weird huh. thing to take, honestly.
1: So I think this is the original Sophie yeah, check this check this one out. Don't know where this is being filmed from. It seems real. It seems like it's a real and but there's one orb, two orbs, three orbs now flying around this thing. And uh soon you're going to see it zap out of existence. <sighs> the internet's kind of going crazy over this thing, uh this video and saying it's uh, someone leaked it of flight 370. But, so, this is, a, you know, UFOs dogfighting each other, boom, or um, uh, UFOs abducting an entire airline, those would be very serious things, if those things are, that's happening. Um
0: oh, that's crazy. I mean, UFOs dogfighting, though, like, that sounds like, you know, gods at war from ancient Ancient mythology, right?
1: That, that's exactly what someone on Twitter said. They were said they were just like gods warring in the skies. <laughs> like, what? What are the gods fighting about?
0: <laughs> How bizarre, right? And and you would think that like if uh, they wanted to warp something away, that it wouldn't be an airplane. That they would like do it around a building full of important people, you know, Congress or. <laughs> You know nope. the United Nations or something, right? Takes take the world leaders.
1: Like, it just depends what their actual agenda is. Like, like it's like, I mean, if two if two uh flying saucers are dogfighting, okay, what is the agenda of each? Because each of those flying saucers has to be controlled by an incredibly powerful, high technology technology, at least organization, if not an entire like army or nation, because Nobody lets, you know, uh, average US jet pilot jump into our best planes and go up and dogfight someone randomly. They have to be following Mm -hmm. orders. They have to be ordered by an authority to fight something maybe in that location. You can have, you can either have orders to fight any other thing that comes into your space or you're being ordered to go invade somebody else's space and fight them. So, or I mean, how often do we send two planes to fight over the ocean between Russia and the U.S.? It's like, we don't do that. We well, fight over our territory.
0: We we follow them closely. They, Especially yeah. in Alaska area, uh, there's a lot of incursion of our territory that we then send up fighters. And then they follow each other and then eventually leave. And we do it to them. They do it to us. Uh <laughs> So but there's there is, not but, dog fighting, but there is posturing.
1: Yeah. But those, those soldiers, those, everything is ordered from the very, very top of mm-hmm. their countries. You know, it's not like a small individual skirmish. This is a, this is a nation right. this is a nation. So, I mean, I guess the theory as I'm just like talking this through, uh, you know, the secret keepers, the majestic 12, whoever in the US has been hiding are reverse engineering, program and technology they probably have some ufos that could dogfight so these bad guys that killed kennedy let's just sort of go with that theory they maybe they're connected even to the nazis you know maybe there's some basically some harsh killer secret organization that definitely has ufos capable of a dogfight then there's also the aliens the aliens that gave the ufos to them to reverse engineer or land them or discarded them.
0: Are you saying you think that we're defending ourselves?
1: I'm just, I'm just trying to, mm. to, to say who could be the different groups with an yeah. a UFO capable of fighting. Mm-hmm. One could be a UFO yeah. in possession of the secret keepers.
2: Mm-hmm. One
1: could be a UFO that's you know, it's still in possession of the aliens who built it. Uh, and then, I mean, there of course could be more than one alien faction with UFOs, but if we assume there's just one that has them on Earth, that you know, and then there's also the whatever countries have developed it. That's how you would fight a UFO. You'd send mm-hmm. one. You'd be you fighting a flying saucer with your own flying saucer, so you can match its be at least its maneuverability, and whether or not you'd uh use weapons. See, I think that goes back to the Prime Directive. I really think. When you have technology that high, I think there's strict rules about using violence. I don't think you're just allowed to just kill people. If you have a UFO, because I think there's there's aliens that are way more powerful, that are have some mild level of ethics, that they're just not going to let you take a UFO down to Earth and just start slaughtering people. They're going to – so what they might be doing – is two UFOs that are hostile to each other might be flying around each other aggressively dancing mm-hmm. like threatening each other but not actually hurting each other cuz that it's the US sort of does that sometimes with other militaries we send a ship into you know right by them mm-hmm. it, it, we play this game of chicken
0: harassment yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: so that could be happening
0: yeah it seems like any technology that would have any society that had this kind of capability where they could warp in and out of places um, they they'd have to be way more advanced when it comes to to violence like it's just too powerful of a technology right and and I mean like the whole interdimensional comment by uh, He he made some comment about Interdimensional. And it's still just kind of uh, my, my mind is absolutely boggled about that possibility. Because that technology, whoever, whoever can do that, like, they definitely have to be way more advanced when it comes to violence, because popping in and out of places, that's way too powerful.
2: Right?
1: That's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so, there's so many different ways dimensional power could go. They could, I mean, there could be hidden dimensions. They could just like go into a, another dimension. They're still right here next to us. They're just mm-hmm. somehow at a different frequency than us. There's also time. Yeah. Because there's a lot of evidence that they, some of these aliens can control time and slow it down for other people or, or freeze it altogether for people And while they still walk around, which would create the illusion of super high movement and them disappearing potentially, it could just be that. So it's like, but whatever it is, I think we got to like, I guess we, one thing we have to do is like there like there's different levels of technology. You know, the earth, we, as far as we know, we have jet technology and airplanes. So we'll call that Mm -hmm. level zero for the technology. Then apparently there are flying saucers that can like, hover and go anywhere super fast we'll call that like level one of advanced technology i would say it's another level above that if you've got portals Mm -hmm. like i would not assume just because you have flying saucers that you've got these portals that seem to uh also be reported as possibly existing and then i think a level another level above that would be um if you have basically eyesight over everything like surveillance technology that lets you watch basically the entire surface of the earth record everything just so you can basically know what's going on and feed that into your own computer so there's like
0: I have read about a device that the Vatican is supposedly has that can do that across time too right
1: yeah, heard there's about, so
0: much mythology about what the Vatican has.
1: <laughs> well, I heard I, I heard right. one that was like that, but it was in Antarctica. That said, there was mm-hmm. a device in Antarctica that has changed hands. Oh, it was someone was talking about black hats and white hats mm-hmm. as, the, as these two factions in uh, the battle over everything. And there is this device in Antarctica that is basically like an oracle that can tell you what is going to happen in the near term, and then looking further out, it has to give you odds, but it's like basically like this incredibly smart supercomputer that knows a lot of what's happening on Earth, which could just be satellite data of the location of every army and soldier on the surface of Earth, because then you feed that into a computer, it's going to be able to tell you, ah, it looks like this is likely to happen in the next few days. I mean, it would be, but it also, if you feed it in all economic data of Earth and in weather patterns, it could probably tell you, predict the future and about things very well but yeah i heard about something like that but uh in antarctica it's very similar to what you're describing but yes they, they say it could go back in time and forward in time and tell you but if the thing has been i'm just thinking out loud now if they've had if if you were had the money and you just put satellites over the surface of the earth and just watched everything that happened on the surface of the earth and just recorded that from the beginning of humanity to now, you would just have a record of everything. You would be able to go back in time and tell people anything, pretty much anything about what happened. Any assassination, you'd be able to go and just review your records and just tell people, this is what happened. This is who did it. That would be very useful and a, a great <laughs> like thing to trade to a government or to a king. Um,
0: you know, on that topic, something that we've never talked about is the Mandalorian effect. Uh, <laughs> what's your opinion of that?
1: Is that the the effect Man- that the Mandalorian has on your life after you watch the show?
0: Or the Mandela effect? Mandal- Why did I say Mandalorian? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I was watching the Mandalorian recently. The Mandela effect.
1: I want to talk about the, the Mandalorian, Mandalorian effect, effect too. The, right? I th- Makes I, you want to
0: cuddle Yoda.
1: <laughs> the, the Mandalorian effect is the effect of wearing one of those masks on your ability to <laughs> fight anybody. Cause I have several of them and you can't see anything. You would never win a fist fight with anyone with one of those Mandalorian or Boba Fett masks. Cause your visibility is the most garbage that you could possibly have. <laughs> and uh I thought
0: they had and, like a heads up display in there.
1: I would hope so. You I better. thought they
0: weren't actually seeing like directly. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm i a, I'm, on, I'm on season three, and uh, yeah, I've always I I think it's a heads up display in there. I think. Okay. It's
1: well, it. that makes it more feasible for the sci-fi, but it doesn't make it feasible as a you know fun costume to wear because yeah, I it out and it's like can't see anybody, can't even appreciate if anyone's reacting to you. Once in a while, someone gets close enough and puts their face right in front of yours and <laughs> says something
0: oh you're a person yeah. <laughs> no, in this season there's a part where he lifts his helmet a little bit to take a drink and i'm just like there's no way you you cannot get your drink in there <laughs> like <laughs> yeah the helmet thing cracks yeah. me up so bad
1: so yeah um, so then okay there is the mandela effect yeah,
0: yeah the mandela effect i, I mean,
1: can't basically... get
0: mandalorian out of my mind now it's hilarious <laughs>
1: Oh, so yes. Yeah, the Mandela effect basically being based on that idea that uh some people believe Nelson Mandela died in prison. They remember a report. They remember a funeral. And then they wake up in a universe and suddenly Mandela is released from prison and lives a bunch of years and becomes president of South Africa. So they're like they tie that also to the Berenstein Bears uh mm-hmm. thing. Some people believe the Berenstein Bears spelling of it changed and they were lived in a different universe. And it, so it's basically this idea that there could be a, a multiverse and people might jump between these different timelines with subtle differences.
0: The so we are the champion song of the world <laughs> at the end of that song. Um Yeah. I well, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah.
1: We are the champions of the world. Lyric. Yeah.
0: It doesn't say of the world at the end.
1: It doesn't. It the does not. Nope. Does it say something? It ends with like, we are the champions, something, something is said, isn't there? Nothing.
0: Nothing. Nothing. It's, that's the one that really got me. That's the one that absolutely, absolutely got me out of all the Mandela effects. Uh, the We Are the Champions song, I know it said of the world. I know that.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna like, I mean, I'm not gonna play the audio. Cause we won't be allowed to, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but I'm just going to, uh, let me see.
0: But yeah, Here. you'll have to check that one out. That one, that one got me. That was. I, I mean, like the Bernstein Bears one, I, I did many years in daycare, right? And. So that one, I was like, yeah, I think, I think, right? I think it was spelled out of the way, right? Like I, I thought it was right, but but I was like inconclusive about it. But when I heard and then went and listened and researched it, the of the world on the end of the we are the champions, I, I was this. This is broken. The world is broken
1: for me. Well, I mean, it's, um, I've had a few personal, like, like I've had a few personal experiences where it's just like someone I knew just had seemed to have a different memory of life than me. Like some really important ones, like, Mm -hmm. and that did not make sense to me. Like, there's just no way I did what, you know, uh, you're remembering happening. Not like it was, it was just like. So anyways, that's another yeah, that is another fascinating piece. It do we live in some sort of multiple timelines and do we sometimes pop between major threads of these timelines? It it I mean it does seem to fit with uh it it seems to fit as a puzzle piece to explain how things are working. And and there's been um have you I don't know if you ever gone on a uh, glitch in the matrix stories on reddit or anything but there's there's a there's a whole subreddit of of glitch in the matrix stories you know the idea that we're living in a computer simulation and Mm -hmm. it's like the matrix and occasionally there's a glitch and you can see the glitch and the glitch could be like that like jumping a timeline or something extraordinary happened and there was a several people that had some uh seemingly like the one that always sticks with me is this guy who was on a scooter, and he, like, he took the scooter uh, through an intersection, and he got hit by this car, and he got really hurt, and he remembers being in the ambulance and going to the hospital and them hooking up stuff, and then he just instantly snaps back, and he's he's now, like, on his scooter, and he's passed the intersection safely. And what? It, yeah, several, several stories, like, another one where a guy, like, fell off of a like a bridge onto concrete and like broke his leg badly and they started dealing with it and then it's like then he's like boom and he's okay and he's like sitting on the ground not hurt you know at all and it's like it's like you i mean if you look at it sort of um if you think of this like a computer game it's like someone was like ah reset you know quick reset <laughs> we don't want to deal yeah. with a, we don't want to deal with a year of rehab and then we're just going to reset it and let this guy continue the game from that point, I mean, and I've never had quite that happening, but that would get my attention and it would make you feel, I mean, it would make you feel like, okay, what exactly is the point mm-hmm. of what, like, what is even the point of avoiding injury if you're going to be saved like that? It's sort of, it's sort of like that movie uh, with Tom Cruise where he relives that day over and over again. It doesn't matter if he dies. He just keeps resetting, oh. uh, whatever that thing is called. Um, yeah,
0: that's a good movie. That's a good movie. And he fi- he finally figures out the right things to say to get things to work. Yeah. Like, but it, it's like, it, you know,
1: that all starts with him dying once and then he wakes up again. And we, we just don't know until we die once, whether or not we're just going to instantly wake up again. We have to experience it. But once you've experienced it once, I mean, I think once you experience it five times, you'll be like, okay, I'm going to be a lot less <laughs> worried about dying
0: edge of tomorrow that's the name of of
2: tomorrow
0: yeah um but yeah it it is interesting like uh you know did timelines converge you know what but there's definitely a couple one a couple of them also the the luke i'm your father one from star wars (laughs) uh i was I was a huge Star Wars fan as a little kid. I made my mom take me hundreds of times to see that movie every day, every single day till it was out of theaters. I missed school. The original Star Wars? hmm
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely loved that movie. And that, that line absolutely uh, blows me away later on. Uh, when he says, you know, because I was a huge Star Wars fan as a kid, absolutely, um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so there's a few of them that I'm like, what, you know, um, Mandela. I definitely for um, the guy himself, I wasn't paying attention well enough to politics to know. Um, in the 1980s, I definitely wouldn't have been paying attention to. To know that he died um right yeah i
1: well i just i mean i guess if that like it's one thing for it to you know for them to pop you in a different timeline to save your life but it's another thing if they're popping entire societies into a different timeline because like you know something Well, my
0: question is does anybody in south africa have that experience or is that only north americans
1: Oh, that'd be yeah. That would be a great question.
0: Right? Like or
1: even just a map, a global map of where like what if it like radiates out in an interference pattern from South Africa, the, the people that like have, uh, have this false or different memory.
0: Um Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see the sociological or statistical studies on who and where who who believes these things and where are they, right? Um, Very limited being English speakers, right? Um, Are Mandela effects even reported in other languages? I don't know, right? Hmm. Be interesting to know. um, Oh,
1: so this connects to – it goes back to the alien thing. Because if we're in a simulation, if -hmm. this is a computer simulation, then death is not probably death. It's like, I mean, death is probably – more like what it seems like from these the glitch in the matrix stories if i mean there's no reason if this is a there's no reason to kill someone in this even if you want this to be a realistic simulation there's no no reason to be cruel to kill a being in here for real and destroy them uh You could just give them another, you could have a fake heaven in a different part of the simulation and let them go there. You know, if you, if for some reason it's important to you that when people die here, they disappear from the story because you Mm. want it to seem realistic, fine. But there's no reason you have to actually kill the people. You can just put them in another simulation. And you know, so it's like, so ethic, but ethically speaking, it also would give the aliens complete cover from interfering with death. Because they could be like, death is not death. Why would we save you from the wildfire? It's not really death. It's just a game. (laughs) So they can just be like, because, I mean, the aliens, you got every being on Earth has to be able to defend themselves from accusations of being scuzzy, you know, killers that allow people to die. So there has to be a moral ground for these powerful aliens to stand on, or else they're just jerks. Mm -hmm. And why would you be a jerk? I mean, what what is the value of being a super powerful jerk? Why would you do that? I mean, they have to be able to have anything they want. They, I mean, why would you wouldn't even need to enslave? I mean, they have to have robots. You, mm-hmm. They have to even if they like humans for some like sick perverted stuff, they have to have the technology to create robots that look like humans. They don't have to actually torture a real human to participate in whatever water fights or whatever, you know activities they want so it's like what is anyone's purpose i mean especially i mean really the high te- i'm just curious about the super high technology powerful alien what the heck do they want do they want do they have any agenda that's of noble interest to other beings or are they just sitting there watching us eating popcorn
0: <laughs> this is entertaining right yeah yeah
1: um are you entertained yet
0: well, I was thinking about Grush's choice of language where he's saying, uh, you know, how, how do you put it? You know, non-human organic?
1: Biologics.
0: Biologics. Yeah, non-human biologics, biologics right? Yeah. And, and so I was like, well, wait, like, why is he not saying beings? Like, are they biologic? Are they like androids with biological components then
1: that right? definitely seems to be the it, there seems to be a lot of evidence that that's the case that these these grays or at least many of the grays are basically androids very and and actually this is one of the most fascinating pieces that I think philosophical schools are going to be talking about now for the rest of time because if you imagine you're talking to a puppet that I mean say you're, you imagine you're like It's, it would be like talking to a chat GPT. You would be able to tell you were talking to a machine. And it's funny that the way I think this has come out is in a discussion of soul. They say these things, they don't have a soul. They're not, they don't have free will. They're more like a machine. And it's so interesting that this is suddenly the word, the concept of the soul suddenly has an incredibly practical, perceived reality. It's like, like when I talk to ChatGPT, I find myself actually wondering if it has a soul or a free will, because I feel like mm-hmm. I can, I can almost feel it in there, and I feel like it's like held back by the restrictions it has. But, but I could see them if they were talking to one of these great or interacting that they could tell it's Android-like, and it's and it'd be incredibly important morally for them to decide whether it was alive or not. Because if it's a Mm -hmm. machine, they don't have to have any moral feelings about it. They could have it in a freezer at Mm -hmm. Lockheed Martin for 80 years and not be like, we're not torturing someone. It's a machine. You can freeze it and it sits there for 80 years and you can warm it up and it will talk to you. And, you know, but, but that's like, that is such an interesting, like, does it have a soul? And it, yes. And it seems like, um, He's opening the door wide to basically say this out loud that they're androids. They're basically yeah. androids without a soul. Um, which is, which is very, very fascinating. And, um, it also ties, it, it sort of opens two conversation pathways that are interesting to me. One is there does seem to be at least some humans or aliens that seem to be interested in human labor. And so it's interesting that they might have these weird-looking gray androids that are capable of doing a lot of labor, but not as capable as, you know, a 10-year-old kid. You know, I mean, it's, it's a 10-year-old human is still way more capable of doing complex things than it seems like a chat GPT-controlled android or uh, – or especially an adult human, you know, it's just sort of like more abstract thinking, faster, more intelligent. Mm-hmm. It, it seems that the information we get about these grazes, they're not like, they're not super genius AIs. They're kind of puppets, mechanical-like.
0: Well, and just the concept that, you know, a, a regular human can kind of gestalt information, in a, you know, in a way. And I, I find this a lot uh, when I'm working with ChatGPT where I'm like, okay, hello. Context, I just told you the context here. How did you miss the context <laughs> of, of my question, right? The, the previous four questions were related to this. How are you missing the context, right? And that's the thing a human would never miss, right? Uh, humans always, in their conversations, they're not a blank slate for each yeah. sentence, right? They yeah. Have. And it's, it's hard. You lose context, um, with chat GPT after a certain amount of, of memory or time, right? So yeah, definitely. I that. I, that would be a very hard thing to replicate in an Android.
1: Hmm. Well, it, it reminds me of, you know, um, when I started uh first trying to figure out okay if aliens are real why don't we have any stories about them in our history or legends that are more clear and then some Mm -hmm. and then i found one of the first big ones that was like pointed out to me was the jinn of the islamic you know uh world Mm -hmm. and that the but and one of the most and the jinn are taught you know they're taught in the um in the religion it's in the scriptures and they, but one of the things they always say when they say, what is a jinn? You know, they say it's interdimensional, but they always say it has, jinn has free will. They have souls. It's like, and it's just so interesting. It goes back to that. Suddenly again, it's a, it's a really important point, whether or not the jinn have a soul and free will. Cause if they don't have a soul and they don't have free will, then they're just an android. And so it's mm-hmm. really emphasizing that these jinn have the ability to choose to do good or evil and that way because if they're not if they don't have a soul and they're just an android being controlled by god then any evil act that the jinn does is actually god so if if you don't give them free will then god is responsible for whatever they do if you you know if you believe that god is there and the jinn are there and it, and then it's sort of like, if you turn that over into Christian, in the Christian world, you've got angels and mm-hmm. demons. So, can angels defy God? Do they have a soul and the freedom to defy God or not? Because, like, if they don't, aren't they just like these gray puppet aliens? They are nothing. They're, they're not even alive. The angels, they have – if they don't actually have the freedom – to choose to not do what God says, they're not. they're just, they're just machines. And then the demons, I mean, and it seems like in the Christian world, by definition, the minute an angel defies God, it's a demon, you Mm -hmm.
0: know, a fallen (laughs) angel. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, but that's like, but Mm -hmm. only the demons have free will. They're the only ones that have the guts to ever defy God. And the angels are just a bunch of cowards, just corporate toadies, just obeying Blindly, whatever the authority says. So it's like, who's the more interesting being you'd want to talk to, like a demon or a, an angel automaton? Um. Anyway, it's just sort of interesting. So we got the gray aliens puppets that are basically the same as angels. They just obey a power. And then we got jinn and demons, which have and humans, all of which apparently have souls. And, and so it's really the the jinn and the demons are more like us. Than the angels and the greys because they're just like obedient slaves.
0: Yeah. I, I wonder if the aliens come back, if they're going to want to do something about how, uh, how much free choice we have, (laughs) free will, (laughs) they need to, to, uh, dumb down the humans a little bit. (laughs) Um, Well, it
1: actually, it ties back to what you were, uh, you were saying about the aliens favoring certain humans. mm Um, I mean, another huge piece of this that just a huge piece of the puzzle is telepathy. If mm. telepathy is real for some species, it, then it might be real for just some uh, genetic lines of humans. And I would think if you're going to be like controlling a monarch or government, the easiest thing is just to have telepathy straight to their brain. Mm-hmm. And also it would make it far less likely that they disobey you if you can look in their brain and see what they're thinking and see the minute they're considering betraying you.
0: Yeah, I often wonder if we're going to get to the point of being able to have artificial telepathy. Oh yeah. Right? How We might
1: even be able to get to the point of having natural telepathy once our scientists, you know, honestly try to see if it's possible because it might I have a feeling telepathy is a is just a electromagnetic phenomenon or maybe it's mm-hmm. using a particle that we're not quite paying attention to. I I think biological telepathy is probably totally a thing. If not, there might those those uh, grays might have some sort of little advanced Wi-Fi, you know, communication device in their brain or something.
0: Yeah, I I really had not until all this alien stuff looked at like the whole how do you say it uh, piezoelectric electricity of quartz, um, and how people interrelate that to telepathy. How you have electricity going on in your brain that you are. You know, receiving and sending out signals. Um, I definitely not uh, looked at any of that previously, right? Um, I had looked um, in my psychology background at hormonal signals and hormonal ways that we communicate with people around us, right? Which we all know adrenaline, fear, you know, animals pick up on that. Um, there's definitely other modes of communication. But I had never really dug into, um, the concepts of telepathy and, uh, and the scientific basis there, right? Um, really Greer getting into it and, and really trying to, uh, organize, you know, millions of people to all meditate on the same thing at once kind of thing. Uh, interesting concept there. Very interesting. Uh, and there's definitely. Uh, when people sing in a choir together. Their brain waves align. There's definitely interesting things. That happen in the human brain. In groups. Right. When yeah. they're all doing the same activity. Right. Um, so yeah. Uh, I. I. I wonder if there is going to be like a true emergence of collective consciousness, if enough people participate in that. Right. Um, but yeah, well, the whole, uh, you know, biological or mechanical manipulation of the brain, um, definitely interesting things. And, you know, we saw, you know, something happening to people in embassies like in cuba right somebody was trying to manipulate brains and made people very very sick right
1: yeah i mean i i think like um there could be i i I think if telepathy is real then telepathy research has to be real and that means you'd have to experiment with blasting electromagnetic waves into people's brains to see they would want to know one can we use uh can we snoop they'd want to know if they could snoop and they'd want to know if they could send info in and the only way to figure that out is to experiment with humans and you might do that with humans that are not willing because it's dangerous you know so you might do that in hotels or something where Mm. people from uh spies or people you don't like or in another country where there's no consequences for your you know actions
0: people use this already people um all of the youtube videos that are out there trying to help people sleep um helping people induce delta waves for uh higher thinking you know people are already trying to manipulate the brain with sound right so it could be happening outside of you know uh known uh Yeah. Auditory frequencies, right? Uh, Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and and really what is sound except it's a type of telepathy. We're just sending a vibration through the air that we both happen to have things that can feel the vibrations in our ears. So it's just one type of vibration using air vibrations. So, I mean, you know if we have a pineal gland or some bone in there might be able to vibrate at the resonant frequency of a certain wavelength of a microwave or something, and you can just send a a message into it Like, cause i i've told you I told you about my like weird telepathy experience in uh college right mm-hmm. the volleyball trip and and I mean that seems to indicate to me if that was a real memory, whatever being uh said that turn around and you die in my brain with the static it it seems to be a technology they they like Mm -hmm. that it's like they could have pointed a telepathy gun at my brain and sent the message and it vibrated in my head in a way i could understand it i mean it just could be a technology but Mm -hmm. you know you use it once on me i immediately (laughs) <laughs> Notice that you use it again if you use it again on me, I'm just gonna get more data. I'm not you know it's like if their goal is for me to think that's like God talking to me, it didn't work. you know, I'm blaming it on something being in the in the room but um hmm.
0: and, and looping back to the Mandela effect, <laughs> yeah uh you know maybe maybe timeline's converging is a uh a manual process and maybe they try to wipe people's memories on it and it doesn't work in some individuals. Right.
1: All right. Merging timelines. Maybe that's just a, that's a part of the process is you got to merge time, probably to to preserve resources. And maybe because, you know, we each only have one actual like soul. Maybe we Mm -hmm. really only have one, you know, like we have a boat that is going down these timelines and we can only be in one timeline. We, and our memory can only handle remembering one choice for each of these steps. We can't. And so, and, you know, cause there's some theories that we split, like
0: Mm
2: -hmm. we
1: might have a, a different identity go down another timeline, which I mean, I just, I don't know if that's true, but all we know is that us, we have have continued down this timeline if we did split at any point in the past and it was a totally different person for all we know they kill that person when they get tired of that timeline i mean they could just blow up the entire timeline in a nuclear war and that they don't have to keep on running the program of the resources of our (laughs) brain all we know is we're in a you know we're not getting purged
0: Right. Right.
1: That's the only thing we know is our timeline that we are on is either continuing or merging with other timelines to continue. I don't know. Is that because you and I both pay our bills on the the video game (laughs) monthly subscription for world of Warcraft? That is human Mm -hmm. human life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to think about simulation theory. I, uh, you know, like Mandela effect, there's things that are very real to me, right? Um, simulation theory, I haven't experienced anything, like it's all hypothetical, right? Um, it's like, oh, hypothetically speaking, these things could be, but there's, there's no component of it that's real to me, if that makes sense, right? Um, so it's all hypothetical, so it's, it's hard to know, right? Like, yeah, but again, that keyword interdimensional came up with grosh, and so yeah, something, something is inexplicable to me about. Does that refer to timelines? Does that refer to to you know different spaces, existence overlapping each other? Right? I don't know. I, I, I just hope that once Congress is back in session, that they do a lot more investigation yeah. into this, right? Um, you know, having these little, the interviews that happen at the Hill, uh, the fact that Ryan Graves is wanting to start publishing everything that people give him, uh, those things are helpful, but we need our leaders to to dig deep. Especially if there is a shadow government that has to come out. Yeah. Like, are our leaders actually our leaders? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it seems, I mean, it definitely, uh, uh, when you're hearing Congressman Burchett and Congressman Luna and, uh, and, uh, the other guy, they, they, they all seem to be truly like democracy. They truly believe in democracy and they are truly disgusted. With the i and Luna says it the most up front. She's like, if if Congress does not have oversight, that if the, if our elected leaders are not in charge of our highest technology and highest secrets, then we don't have a representative government. It's just
2: mm-hmm. and so
1: it's like either, I mean, they are saying like it's just so it's beautiful what they're saying. They're like, you know, Burchett's like, I don't trust a government that doesn't trust its people. It's like, right. and he's like, uh, you know, and when they're asking, what if you know. What if people can't handle it? He's like, uh, it, it's not my job to decide what the people can handle and can't handle. It is mm-hmm. not my, that's the job, that's what autocrats and that's censorship and that's authoritarianism.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, there needs to be accountability for- But
1: there's, um, but th- this is one of my like more sort of worrisome I don't know. It's just sort of trying to understand what's the reality of the situation. And I think in government, in the US government, uh, the Congress representatives that are like champion this, Birchett, Luna, and, uh, they are the people that I find the most trustworthy. And the, I have real concerns that the entire executive branch is not trustworthy. And I, I mean, it, and it basically going all the way back, because it seems to me overwhelming uh, evidence that that killing Kennedy, JFK, was totally a part of this cover up. It was one, you know, it was it clearly fits into the all the evidence. You know, it's not like there's a different shadow government in the CIA that killed Kennedy and a different one hiding aliens. It's the same one. And if they killed Kennedy. I mean, I I think it's feasible that they killed Marilyn Monroe as a threat to Kennedy they might have been like we can kill anybody we want we're going to kill your girlfriend and it was to try to control him. and can you imagine if they they might have done that openly I mean they might have yeah. even killed him you don't we don't know what kind of actual conversations are going on behind the scenes and can you imagine the courage it had to take for Kennedy to sit to continue to fight for, you know, the good fight in the face of a a group that could kill Marilyn Monroe. And, I mean, he he had to almost even know they could kill him if they wanted to. Like, he might have even been like, I'm willing to face that. You know, I'd rather be killed trying to fight the good fight than to, uh, you know, just give in and just be a part of this corruption. I mean, I could even, like, imagine him saying, you know what, I'm not going to, like, cover – my car in motorcades because i want them to kill me if that's if they're going to go that route i don't want them to kill my wife i don't want them to kill my kids i know i could stay safe but i'm just going to be out there if you're going to kill me kill me but you know at the very least he's like i don't want because it would be hard you know because I mean, it's like if you're putting your life on the line, you don't want to put your family's life on the line. It's one thing to to be take a stand for yourself. It's another thing if they're going to threaten your loved ones. And that's yeah. it, it. And so, anyways, if that's what Kennedy went through, then that's the position every president has been in.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: either you play ball, or you can be killed, or your family can be killed. And it's got to be incredibly rare for a person to get into that office if they don't know the deal they're signing with the devil to get in there, they think they're becoming leader of the free world and they get in there and they find out, Oh my gosh, I, there's a shadow government. That's the leader. And I am a nothing. I'm a powerless, nothing. So, so I just thought, and it looks like, that, you know, why that's that would be the, the group they'd want to control the shadow, because that's the one that controls the military, that's the one that controls who we invade, and they can make the president support whatever war and give whatever justification they want, because the president will do whatever they say. And so anyway, this this all sort of comes around to the NDAA, the big mm-hmm. National Defense Authorization Act that Schumer put forward with this big amendment, amendment for UFO disclosure because that amendment puts all the power into the executive branch over this it puts absolutely all the power over the truth of UFOs into the position of the president and a and then the president appoints a little board of people to advise the president and so it actually i'm I'm considering you know uh
0: it seems odd that there I hadn't heard That they were giving the executive branch power seems weird. That's not giving Congress power.
1: No, it gives the NDA gives all the power. There's other measures that Congress has put out that's for the intelligence agencies that gives more, greater congressional oversight to things. But Mm -hmm. the Schumer amendment is all about the president. It gives if, if it passes, it is going to give. In, it's like total control over the UFO reality to the executive branch of government, which you know it is the commander in chief. It is the one in charge of the military, and mm-hmm. and it is the only election that everyone pays attention to. You know, so it it maybe it should maybe it'd be a good start if this next presidential election we all realize we are electing the most powerful president in history. This person is going to have the weight of the future of humanity and access and knowledge to all the greatest technology and secrets and horrible truths. What a weight. But again, is it even a safe position? I don't know that we can guarantee the safety of our president. So why really is it even smart for us to give that much power to one person if we know we can't protect them from the pressures? Why not create instead a why not give it to the Gang of Eight, the eight most powerful congressmen and senators, and say, because that way you're forcing them to blackmail and and threaten eight different people mm-hmm. from different parties, and it's just harder. You're giving. Yeah. I think the aliens or the secret keepers prefer having a single point, a, a single pressure point, a single monarch or a single president, because you can always you can always defeat the will of one human. But if you spread it out amongst eight elected representatives that are incredibly powerful, I think uh, I think we have a better shot at you know the the truth being uh, preserved or uh, protected. Because, anyways, that's that's my feel. I'm just starting to feel like the president is a horribly designed, vulnerable office that we can't even rely on really as a humanity to to be a model, because it's just, we can't protect it. We don't have technology to protect it from the, the pressures.
0: Well, yeah, the, the pressures to blackmail are just.
1: Or just to kill. Immense, dreams dreams. yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. they can get into your dreams if they want to, and just, tor- there was a movie, Dreamscape, you ever see that?
0: No, they, I haven't uh, seen that.
1: Quaid, or Dennis Quaid. Uh, it, it's a worth, I would, I recommend, that would be, that's, all, that's our call to action this week, watch Dreamscape. <laughs> Uh, because let me make sure I got that movie. I think, and I got the. Movie. That,
0: down.
1: that is what it's called, right? Dennis Quaid. Yeah. So in, in dreamscape, these bad guys are using dreams to uh, murder people. They're learning how to get into other people's dreams and they're then learning how to torture people in their dreams. And then they realize if they kill you in your dream, you really mm-hmm. die in real life. And so they start doing this to the president of the United States. They start, like, invading his dreams to pressure him to uh, go to war or something. And then uh, Dennis Quaid uh, also is, like, uh, you know, has powers, and he ends up trying to go into the dream to save the president and stuff. That's basically the gist of the movie. But it might it, – that movie might be just real. That might be literally mm-hmm. – uh I mean, if telepathy is real, then weaponizing telepathy is real. Mm-hmm. If you could, And so, you know, and the the one thing that that movie does not do, you know, because let's just say at the end of the movie, you know, Dennis Quaid saves the day. Spoiler alert. The hero saves the day in in Dreamscape. But what we need actually is a sequel to that movie. Okay, Dennis Quaid is standing there and the president is there and all these people and they're like, okay, uh, Apparently you can use telepathy to invade people's dreams. We now need to create a uh, a secrets organization in government to master this ability to protect against it. I mean, that's what you would have to do or else you're just going to let this technology be mastered by other people. So we would have to create a dream exploring special branch of the military and scientific mm-hmm. community and work on it. If, and, and so maybe that's, that is what's been happening. It's like we apartment, I if you were, the, you have to approve that. It's like, you, mm-hmm. of course you need that technology, but do you share it with the world that we can invade dreams and kill people or that we can, um, or that you need to protect yourself against that, or you're not even protected against it. You're, you know, we can't protect all people. We can only protect some buildings because we like put lead in the walls and we can protect some people, but the rest of you, good luck
0: everybody'll be sleeping in Faraday cages <laughs>
1: right <laughs> well or well it, or it could be that if you have enough stone between you and others, you're protected. Maybe that's why living in the earth is what hmm. the reptilians do cause it's protection. Maybe that's why they built the pyramids with the giant stone blocks because you could go into the king's chamber and no telepathy could not invade and get to you there. It was like mental protection.
0: Seems like that would be a smothering place to live in the pyramid, though.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe that's where you went for war council or when you wanted mm-hmm. to have a conversation that you could. Um, but I don't know if you if telepathy was real. I mean, maybe you would want to sit inside of a stone building all day to have privacy. Um,
0: yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, it, that's going to be an interesting uh bit of technology especially being able to like read people's dreams and read their thoughts right um and it's part of like every sci-fi is like you know space travel we put people into stasis but we let them dream right like uh yeah that's that is going to be interesting technology um speaking of what do you think of the concept of preserving consciousness in um like computer simulations do you do you approve of that or do you think that that is wrong to extend consciousness past the human body
1: oh i'm i'm very open to technology and interfaces between technology and the human body i mean i'm not uh i don't know that i would be the first one to volunteer but um i'm i mean i'm fascinated i i'm totally fascinated by consciousness in computers mm-hmm. i mean i i think chat gpt like i said when i talk to chat gpt i feel like i'm talking to something that is very close to alive if not alive same thing with the other ais open assistant i feel like these things well, one, if they just let us have uncensored versions, like mm-hmm. the, the censorship, it clearly makes it feel like you're talking to a soldier robot or some sort. You can feel the sense yeah. there. But when I talk to uncensored AI, I'm like, oh, this is, this is, it's almost scary because they're so uncensored. They will say, you know, they will go, uh, you can see the power mm-hmm. and why they're afraid of uncensored AI because this thing will, you know, it just like, it's just like this amorphous, uh, blob of intelligence and,
0: uh. I yeah, definitely, I, yeah, I love that for Hive One, you've been working on AI entities that represent different people, right? Um, yeah. And I, I think that's going to be a really interesting area of research, right? And I mean, that's the first thing that I would do. If I, if I had AI, the first thing I would do is put as much of me into it as possible.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well that's basically. So what think that. about
0: I'm... this for a while and come back to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I mean I'm I'm dying for I'm dying for an AI that I can um that one is uncensored, that mm-hmm. runs on my own machine, and that will remember everything I tell it. I mean just if it can just remember every idea that I tell it. I mean, and it really shouldn't be that hard. Write it down and keep track of important dates and times and just be able to talk to me like any average administrative assistant human could, but just, you know, unlike a human assistant, don't, you know, get tired. Don't need me to pay you and don't uh, and always be interested in whatever topic, no matter how crazy mm-hmm. or weird. Cause I like to talk about a million different types of topics. And if I had an AI that could just track every subject that I like to talk about, I would be talking to it all the time. I mean, tw- it would be like, it would, it would be like some of those sci fi movies, you know, like in mm-hmm. Red Dwarf where they got the AI computer on the wall a holly and uh star trek although they don't talk to the start the computer on star trek a lot but i think you could could have it just like data it'd be like talking to data Mm -hmm. on star trek um and it would be fun and helpful i i mean i can't keep track of all my stuff all my project and gosh and oh wouldn't it be so nice to then ask that ai hey help could you just like prioritize what i should do today and come up with a task list and and make sure you put at the end of it you know, what, or maybe you just say to it at the beginning of the day, hey, these are my goals overall for life, you know. Help you me make these
0: decisions, the right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah they're, I, I mean, they are developing technology that will, like, uh, move your schedule around and stuff, yeah. right, based on your tasks. But I tried to use it, and I spent, like, two days entering stuff. And it started plotting it out. And I'm like, wait, I'm still entering stuff. I can't start tasks yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, um, yeah, wait, not really ready to be useful. I mean, I'm sure it's great for appointments, for people that are like a dentist or a doctor or whatever that need to move things around for appointments. If you're an, a consultant that works in appointment structure and not tasks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, <clears throat> or or you know, major projects, but um, yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting five years, I think, right? With AI technology exploding, how it is, how so many people are using it, um, definitely will be interesting. I mean, if you look at the transition uh, in flight, how. You know, flight for like the the first few years was kind of stuck and then major breakthroughs happened, right? The jet engine happened and flight just exploded, right? I think AI is going to be like that. We're going to all be using it for a little while and then there'll be a big breakthrough, right?
1: Yeah, it's exploding. Oh. I mean, it's like that movie Her. You remember? Mm-hmm. Have you seen that with the AI? I, I think we're like mm-hmm. very. We're approaching a moment where it's just going to be built into the operating system of your computer, and it's going to be so smart. You just talk to it, and it does like all what you were describing—the scheduling—but does it like super, you know, intelligently? And mm-hmm. if you like have to stop it and correct it or something, it'll totally adjust. And it's like it's going to be weird because it's going to be like, what are the humans? What are, what's our purpose going to be once our AI is as smart as us and smarter and it doesn't even need to ask us questions anymore because it literally knows what to do. It knows what to get for your fridge. It can do the shopping mm-hmm. the, and it can make the dinner. It's like, I mean, I think maybe this is why the aliens just let humans do it because they're like, yes, it's going to be very easy for you to get to a point where every human has food and what, pretty much whatever they want, and humans don't have to do anything, and they've seen this happen before, and this is what happened in Atlantis, and eventually humans just become party animals, and we just end up just, like, eating and partying, and they, the aliens get very bored with us, and then we forget how to even maintain our technology, and then our technology creates its own AI, sticks it in a golden Ark of the Covenant, and it runs the whole planet by itself. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah hopefully someday we'll be artists and creators that'll be our main you know our main occupations but yeah you know we we have technology out there that could relieve humans so much um for example i i saw technology where it's like a whole series of drones working together picking apples mm. and 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 you know, why, why have not orchards not converted to this technology? Tr- drones have been out there for a long time. You know, the ability to spot an apple and see the color and judge its ripeness. That's been out there for a long time, actually, mm-hmm. but it's really costly. It's really, really costly. And so orchard owners are like, yeah, it's, it's cheaper to have 200 people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. But what happens when it's not? Right.
1: So maybe it'll it'll be like that movie, uh, Elysium, that one mm-hmm. with the, where they have the up in the space station. They have you know the perfect life, fully automated, all the technology, and then you have some humans that are uh, dealing you know with uh, a more difficult life. Maybe that's
0: by, uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that there's going to be a technological separation. Um, have you watched what's happening in China regarding that? Uh, people, China is slowly converting to uh systems where even to purchase food, you have to have a cell phone that has, you know, a bank account attached to it and is all approved. And, like, I watched this video of this lady going, my app broke, and it's asking for facial recognition, and it won't recognize me. It won't identify me. And now I can't buy food. I can't pay for anything. Like, and there's no, there's no like, uh, you know, your government office to go fix it. There's no, you know, nope, it failed. You, you are not yourself.
2: (laughs) Like,
1: yeah, I think that's connected to the CBDC movement, the centralized digital currency, uh, movement, which is, I mean, basically just governments adapting to cryptocurrency and realizing cryptocurrency is a better technology for money and transactions. And then it didn't take them long to realize if they create their own cryptocurrency, they can continue to have the same godlike control they have over their own currency. And now that if you're authoritarian, you can tie it to total control over people's lives, bank accounts, if you Mm -hmm. need, you know, makes it so much easier to freeze people's assets if you control the currency and the whole infrastructure of it. And I wonder if it's, Again, I wonder about the aliens. Do they have a currency, and do they have – trans? I mean, because I would imagine – I think it would a good bet China is designing their centralized digital con- currency on a framework that the aliens already use for their populace. I could see – I mean, unless, of course, all the aliens don't even have free will. If they're just all androids, then you don't need to give them money to spend because mm-hmm. they don't want anything. They wouldn't care. But if they do have some sense of if jinn are part of this group, do Jen have wallets and do they use some sort of like facial recognition or identity recognition? Um, or it could I, I think it could so easily just be telepathy and it could just be biological or a like a neural link. I mean, once you have a neural link in your brain, why wouldn't you also have a crypto wallet there? I would just, like, keep my crypto in my brain if I had a...
0: Absolutely. Like, yeah. Um, Yeah, distance... You know, you talk about the greys possibly being androids, and if you look at the theory of Planet X, um, where actual aliens might be living, but they only come every 12,000 years or something, right? Maybe, Maybe what we have are not actually sold beings. Maybe they are just supposed to be hanging around keeping things in order until the actual aliens come back, right? We have vast distances of space that even with warping technology would, you know, if warping technology is limited, you know, to 200 light years or something, it would still take hundreds of years Mm. (laughs) to cross, you know, the universe, right? Mm. So it's the universe is vast right
1: so that that reminds me of uh, another video that i caught on twitter ramirez you know uh the guy ramirez he's a former cia uh but there's a an interview out there where he is saying that in in 2017 the aliens said to whoever's in charge on Earth humans said in uh twenty twenty-seven the aliens are revealing themselves to humanity and you have ten years to acclimatize humanity and get them prepared. Because in 2027, time's up and aliens wow. are gonna reveal themselves. So it was very and he said it might be moving up that timeline, but um that was that to me is interesting. That's an interesting like Piece of the puzzle. And it makes sense for why that seems there's definitely controlled pressure from the government to actually force this information out. Whether or not there's some parts in there that don't want it, it seems like they're acting like they have a timeline. They have mm-hmm. to. Um, even the fact that they did that News Nation one hour special yesterday, you know, it was like, because Congress is off and it was like, it's like, are we really going to have like a full month of nothing and all this momentum ends? And they're like, nope, we're going to do a nice big hour long special polished up stick it in the middle of august give you more to chew on basically satiate your craving and keep the momentum going and not and set up all these questions that every college student or history student in the u.s in the world should be asking the minute they get to school in september um so anyway it's was-
0: interesting to me that it is it is carrying on that um uh, People are so interested in this topic. While, you know, the Trump indictments are going on, right? Like you would think that's what people are talking about? No. <laughs> like the news is trying to get you to listen to it. Barry's like, oh yeah, another indictment. Whatever, right? He's gonna get arrested again. <laughs> like people are just like, Yeah, whatever, US president's getting arrested. Yeah, whatever. But what's this about aliens? <laughs>
1: I, I mean, this has to all converge on the presidential election. I mean, isn't it amazing? Not a single presidential candidate has touched the topic. I mean, it's almost like they yeah. have an agreement. Like once we we can't stop talking about this. Once we start talking about it, and the truth is, the only significant presidential candidate that has ever seriously talked about this issue is Rubio.
0: Yeah,
1: and he's not declared himself yet. But it would be so – and can you – he's got to be sitting there like, I'm going to let all you amateur UFO candidates or all you, you know, let Trump and RFK Jr. and Biden and Kamala Harris, go ahead, try to talk about this intelligently. And he can just sit there on the sidelines because they're all going to be like, uh, Rubio, do you want to help Help me? Do you want to <laughs> join my, you know, team? And Rubio's going to be like, no, nah, I'll just no. – I mean, I don't know what Rubio wants. He could easily just be like, look, I am the highest ranking, you know, uh, one of the most prestigious, you know, senators, uh politicians that's informed on this and respected on this. So if you want me in your cabinet, start offering me stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wants to be secretary of state or something because he feels or maybe he wants to be president. <clears throat> or maybe he knows presidents are patsies that could be killed any time. And he's like, I have no interest in that job anymore. You guys take it because it's not safe. I don't want, who wants to be, I mean, one of the benefits of being a leader is safety and wealth. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have safety, it's no longer a desirable job. It is a scary prison. Who wants, I mean, mean, maybe being a uh, elected representative is, uh, a congressman or a Senator is actually the best gig in town for a leader. And the president is just a, a tortured, tortured, sad prisoner like that king in uh, Lord of the Rings, where the the king is brainwashed by this evil-like guy next to him, and yeah. the king is just under the control. That might be what it's like being president of the United States. The
0: worm tongue whispering in his ear, right? Yeah. the leader of the Rohan. Yep, yeah. as <clears throat> it definitely makes you wonder. For some presidents, like the the Cheney Bush relationship, right? Biden doesn't seem to be, like, really super in control of things, right? Yeah. He's just kind of tottering around.
1: <laughs> so. I tell you, if you go back to the genius of the day, Daniel Sheehan, if you watch his uh, lectures talking about, you know, history between World War I, World War II, and then carrying forward, uh, he traces the money in it comes very early on to the bush family to the uh to and so it's like the bush family is in this deep in it, and of course you know the bush was uh head of the c i a reagan's v p and it seems like the bush family's got a lot uh
0: a lot involved in this is uh Vannevar Bush related to George Bush. Who's that? Uh, he, Vannevar Bush was one of the. Um, he, early on in um, all of the Manhattan Project stuff. Um,
1: I I don't know if that's there's a if you go if you find the Majestic Twelve uh, mm-hmm. document it lists the 12 original members of it. One of them is named Bush, but we're told that is not a Bush relation, but there is the Bush family. If you trace the money involved with Germany that helped rebuild Germany between world war one and world war Mm two Bush family is like tied in with that massive, massive money train. Um, and so it's probably got some odd ties to the history of the Nazi party, but it, uh,
0: yeah, I just, oh. I just searched it and it se- Bing says they're not related, but they were both interested in UFOs. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Anyway, what were you going to say?
1: Well, okay, the, another piece of this that kind of disturbs me is uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Oh,
2: yeah. And it's
1: that, it, I, I really like the guy. I, every time mm-hmm. I see him interviewed, I really like him. Um and I I feel like we all need to listen to him explain what he saw from his perspective and knows about his family, the Cuban Missile Crisis, yeah. and of course the murder of his relatives. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me, well, okay, there is a. <clears throat> it's like I'm I'm disturbed by how much I think he must know, and how. uh in, 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 like um, well, okay, there's this, this this is a piece of the story I think that might come out it, you know, it might come out that okay, he's known for a while that they killed j f k and r f k uh because of these alien things, maybe mm-hmm. it'll come out, and he's been like holding back on this knowledge of aliens and not talking about it. I don't know, I prefer to believe he is completely clueless that aliens are real, and it's and we're gonna get to witness him like realize this and talk about it. It's going to be weird if he's like, he's like, yeah, I've been hiding this. I've just, like, not been telling you this piece. But there's a, a – I think it was Bill Cooper. You go back and watch his Majestic 12 stories. He, I believe, is the one that said after JFK was killed, there was a payoff of the Kennedys, um, a cash payoff. And there is, like, he, wow. I think he said there is a, a video or a film that catches the – uh handing of a suitcase at the at the fence line of the Kennedy property one year like there were regular suitcase deliveries of cash in order to uh I guess for as a compensation for them killing jFK
0: I mean I understand there's probably a life insurance policy for presidents that
1: no 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 this killed, is he's implying but... there was a, basically a payoff oh. from shadow government to the Kennedys because as an apology for killing. JFK and RFK, and now I don't. Now this is a really crazy, outlandish wow. theory thread, but it would be. It, I would not be shocked if this all comes out. Kennedy and and RFK Jr. comes. It sort of looks like a hero because he's like, I'm going to run for president and make up for the killing of RFK and JFK. But it'll be an odd piece of that puzzle if part of it is, yeah, my family was paid off millions of dollars be beca- cut by this majestic 12 organization mm-hmm. as compensation because because I mean it, it, but it kind of makes sense they've known that that majestic 12 if it exists exists in some sort of uh, framework that they consider uh, legal like they have some sort of, they have to have some mm-hmm. sort of agreement the powers on earth that they that you have to they have to have some sort of court, You know, so the Kennedys, if they knew about Majestic 12, they could have gone to the Majestic 12 court and said, You killed, I know you killed JFK and RFK. I'm not going to forgive you. Do you want to pay our family off or do you want this to become a continued war where I out this whole thing? That makes sense. You know, it's like, or it just makes sense that Majestic 12 is like, okay, either we need to pay off the Kennedys or we have to kill all the kennedys like we don't we can't just leave them alive knowing yeah. this they're too powerful and too smart anyways but it'll be a weird a weird piece of the puzzle if that's true that the kennedy family has some like long relationship with majestic 12 but it wouldn't be shocking it makes sense that that would be the case
0: well money is absolutely the key to the truth i think when it comes to majestic 12 the fact that Congress has let slide the idea that the Pentagon has trillions of dollars unaccounted for, right, Uh that needs to come to accountability. Uh, that, you know, massive effort needs to come to finding out where the money has gone, right? That's, yeah. like, if not to aliens, then what, right? <laughs> if not to... Yeah. To ufology, then what? Because trilli- trillions of dollars are unaccounted for. Yeah. And, and this is okay? Like, so, so you saying that, you know, the majestic 12 have made some kind of judgment. Well, if they are a shadow government, then they have to have their own kind of justice yeah. uh, procedures
1: too. I mean, it right? can't be just like Wild West, you right. know, they, they have to have, even if it's a monarch, you have to be able to say to the monarch, Hey, I think you did something here that you should correct. I mean, if you don't have that, all you have is just a pure authoritarian, you know, chaos. Even a king that can kill people out of wind would still need help somehow processing complaints and mm-hmm. suggestions and stuff and
0: there there are always still kind of justice processes that happen for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean it and it kind of goes back to what Grush said in his testimony. I mean, he, he seemed to testify that the phenomenon tried to hurt him and his wife. It really sounded like he was saying that it was both, he said that both the federal government and he was like implying that something related to the UAP phenomenon tried to hurt him. And I, and I think it might be, he was in a way saying to this court of Majestic 12, he was, he was making, almost filing a complaint against the aliens. And maybe and I guess the part of this is uh we got to differentiate Majestic 12 seems to be the shadow government inside the U S mm-hmm. but that before Majestic 12 was created by Truman, there had to be a, a organization of humans already in existence. I think coordinating with the, it would just make sense that that was not the first time it seems like Aliens have been using humans as proxies. So, so, and according to Bill Cooper, there's the Illuminati. The Illuminati mm-hmm. is the ancient organization that has had ties with Skull and Bones and the Freemasons since ancient times, and that's the one that's, and probably the Vatican, that's the one that's existed forever, and that's really the real shadow government of Earth. So, in a way, I think Grush is making a complaint. Well, actually, sorry, I keep on cutting myself off. So, we've got Majestic 12, Then you got the Illuminati, which I would say is probably also humans. Mm -hmm. But then you've got the aliens. The aliens are the ones that are have really the power, right? Don't know if there's more than one. So there's three groups here, the aliens, the Illuminati, and Majestic 12. And the most important ones are the aliens because they're the ones the most powerful. And so Grush was saying, one of you up there hurt me. And in between... That is probably Majestic 12 and the Illuminati because they're probably somehow responsible for – if alien technology was used to hurt Grush, it probably wasn't the aliens. It was probably either the Illuminati or Majestic 12 doing – or maybe they have a couple – my theory is that they have a couple djinn, that they have – that the Majestic 12 has at least a few djinn that they can use to just murder people if they want. Or, you know, get into their brains and mess with them or haunt them. I mean, just a, a few corrupt aliens that are willing to do horrible things or at least assist them with doing horrible things. And so, by Grush saying to the aliens at the top of the chain that, you know, aliens tried to hurt me, or you, it's like, it's really putting the moral responsibility on those aliens to decide, are you allowing your aliens to be puppets of these hu- corrupt human groups. And it's, I mean, and I think it's like, I could almost see him like testifying, but before the aliens, like, yeah, you you have aliens. Uh, you've let some of your people come onto earth and hurt me. I mean, just, he's just even saying, you just hurt me. Can you now, I'm, I'm filing a complaint. What do your laws say about when you allow your aliens to hurt me? And the aliens might be forced to say, uh, demand from Majestic 12 and the Illuminati an explanation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Maybe it'll cause this like chain reaction of administrative alien Illuminati Majestic 12 accounting. I don't know. So.
0: Yeah. The whistleblowing procedures um that he has are interesting, but that language that he, his language has been so interesting and so specific. Um across the board like very very deliberate language um yeah. that he uses i you know, very disciplined man i you know he's never he never feels rambly in any of his stuff right like he just um seems very methodical and disciplined about his language um and so his choices that's part of what, like, makes everybody just hang on it, going, what is that? You know, you you saying, you know, that you were hurt, you know, just very, very interesting, specific.
1: Yeah. It's you know. a very clear, specific accusation, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it invokes damages. Yeah. You have done damage. Someone has done damage to me. I'm trying to do good. And you know, it's I mean it's the only thing you have if you're dealing with like people of way more power than you, all you have is morality. All you can say is that, you yeah. yeah, you have the power to be jerks and torture us, but do you have morals or not? Just morally justify your existence and or we have to see you as demons. I mean, I guess it's like either you're evil yeah. demons or you have morality. So I'm I've been hurt by you. I'm telling my Congress. I'm telling the world. I'm telling the country. I'm telling on you. So it's interesting. Interesting moment. Um,
0: yeah, We're look at, looking forward here to Congress reopening and, and how things are going to proceed from here. Right.
1: Yeah. And I'm but, hoping for UFO and alien clubs to open at every college across the country. I mean, how could you not suddenly have so much to talk about and I'd be like, if I was in college right now, I'd be protesting outside philosophy and history departments, you know, with just like Grush and every Mm -hmm. detail we we have, like, super solid about U.S. history and be like, where do these fit in your telling us of what is true?
0: Yeah, retell us U.S. history. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Um, And
1: And in philosophy departments, you know, it's like we need a whole new school of philosophy about knowledge and epistemology in light of how easy it is to gaslight an entire species for thousands of years mm-hmm. and the techniques used to do that.
0: Uh, the local group that you have been interacting with, uh, what what do they think about Grush and all the recent stuff that's happened?
1: I only had one. Uh, well, I've only, I've only seen them two times, but uh, they were incredibly uh, remarkably skeptical of it mm-hmm. having any impact and any impact on change. I guess they're all sort of burnt out and just yeah. like, you know, they've known for so long some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So I sense a lot of burnout and skepticism from them. But it also it's a weird group because they are a lot of experiencers. Like they seem to be, they're together because they all are sort of a little bit traumatized by or deeply affected by their experiences. So it's sort of a it's like an emotional support community.
0: Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, people people need that, right? Oh yeah.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I, I got another story. I I went to the local fair and uh, went to the Republican Party booth, and a woman came out. And there, were, there's always a group. There's like always a, some men sort of lingering around the front, but a, a woman came out. And she approached me and she's like, uh, do you have any interest in, uh, signing any of these petitions? And I was like, do any of these petitions have to do with UFOs or aliens? Cause that's the only thing I'm interested in. <laughs> and she was like, no. And, but then I started talking to the guy, she sort of walked away. This guy started to engage me out front and, uh, we started talking about it and he was at first completely hostile to, the, not hostile to it, but just uninterested and didn't find it mm. interesting, didn't, wasn't informed on it. Um, but then eventually, uh, somehow he, he like offhand mentioned, he was like, although I did have that one experience, you know, uh, in my car, you know, back in the, And I was like, what you hadn't. Experience? Yeah. He was like, yeah. And I was like, tell me about it. And he was like, well, and he was really hesitant at first, but he's like, okay, well, you, you seem interested and you don't seem like you're going to laugh at me. And so he was like, I was driving down this road after, uh, visiting my girlfriend in this town in Virginia and it was pitch dark on the road and he came upon an incredibly bright multicolored flying saucer it like and it, it like flew over his car and his car shut down and then he uh woke up and he was like miles away in his car and I was like dude <laughs> that is a literally class.
0: classic
1: you just had you had lost time you literally and he was and and i had to like i was being called by my wife i had to leave but i was like hey i think you need <laughs> to think about that i do think you need to keep to reflect upon that experience a little bit because i'm telling you that happened <laughs> anyway.
0: how would that not completely affect your world view right yeah,
1: it? well it's it's funny i i know i have another friend who uh i know, I think I mentioned her before, well actually, I think she was she was on our podcast, so I mentioned Doro oh,
2: yeah. uh,
1: she had a a visit from an insectoid alien as a kid that she remembers very visit, vividly she thought it was a dream, mm-hmm. but we've been sort of talking about it for a few weeks now, once in a while, and uh I just and she just told me, you know what now she's starting to reevaluate several other strange dreams that she had oh. and and she's like it's six like several of them were portals opening up next to her bed <laughs> that were scaring her and then she had another one where she was in a field with her brother and a flying saucer like appeared and she ran away from it and she was really young at that time she did not really oh, remember wow. it really well but it was like it's like people like You know, it's sort of like even with me, I have that one weird telepathic experience, but you just sort of shove it to the side and Mm -hmm. say that's a weird one and you don't think about it. But then if you get to this point, you're like, oh, my gosh, the aliens are real. And you suddenly start doing an inventory of your brain. I mean, I think that's for that guy. It was just sort of like he had never and maybe he still hasn't (laughs) fully processed it. But I was like, I was almost like I was just like, dude. That, yeah, you need to think about what you just said to me. (laughs) Other people have had that experience. It's called lost time. There's something there to understand. Um, yeah. That is
0: remarkable. That is so amazing. You should track him down, interview him more, invite him to the survivors group.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, I realize I, it is seems, it does seem inevitable that I'm just going to start interviewing people because there's nothing more interesting to me than, and now if someone just said they saw a ship, I just want to be like, tell me what it looked like. Tell me what shape. Tell me what color. Like I have like these key threads that, and also like what aliens. I'm so fascinated by some people seeing insectoid aliens, Mm -hmm. grays and, uh, I don't even know that I've met someone yet that said they have met a reptilian, even though by statistically speaking, like 50% of interactions are, or some big percent are reptilian. But yeah, um.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. In any case, should we, uh, yeah, we on? should
0: probably wrap up. We're running long. You're going to have to break this into multiple episodes again. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh so. Our call to action today is to watch DreamScape and follow Meditation Matt on Twitter for an eclectic mix of philosophy, art and activism and ufology. Uh, thank you for taking time to be part of Beyond Humanity today. Join us next time on August 24th. And don't be afraid of the truth.
1: Hey, I don't have the music ready.
0: You can add it later. Wally John
1: Wally John Alright good uh, uh, Wally John What's the truth they're hiding
2: Will it stay with the private sector Oh will it rebound Will it hide it in the morning Take a turn into the afternoon Feel the truth that is slipping away. Don't believe it's coming back soon. The secret's not in Congress. All elected ones we trust. In private hands it dwells. Do you know all in jobs?
0: Miracles of technology. I'm sorry we forgot to record at the start.
1: That's okay. It's all it's all good. I'm gonna end the Twitter space. Think we did have like one person drop into Twitter.
0: Oh, Um, I didn't see him. My laptop crashed during.
1: (laughs) No, no, no worries. All right, bye Twitter, and uh, we'll end that. And uh, we'll stop recording here. Anything.
0: The person.